Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Nate Langson, and this special text message was sent on March the 10th, 2015. We're talking in detail about one product. Apple Watch is the most personal device we have ever created. We're talking with people on site at Apple's launch event. If Apple Watch doesn't deliver, personally, I believe it could set the whole segment back for several years. And with people who literally have the word style in their job title. I think the parallel here actually is not the watch market, funnily enough. The parallel here is the luxury mobile phone market. I'll also be joined later by three UK technology experts. I'm Katie Collins. Stuart Miles. And Olivia underscore Solon. To discuss the impact Apple's second watch event has had on the industry and what it could mean for you. But first, I need to answer the most common question I get asked about the Apple Watch. What's it like to use? The Apple Watch, revealed during 2014 in a Cupertino, California venue previously used to launch the original Macintosh computer, it is the most important product launch to Apple since the iPad and possibly even since the iPhone, depending on who you ask. It's the iPhone sibling. It's designed to go everywhere its older brother or sister goes. A brother or sister that accounts for three quarters of all Apple revenue globally each year. And if Apple has its way, every iPhone should be partnered with a wearable companion. Half a year after the initial reveal, I'm in Berlin. The watch isn't on sale, and this is the second event I've attended where I've got to get my hands on Apple's new product, and the second event after which the product has not gone on sale immediately. But this time, not only did I get to wear it, I got to really use it. I'm wearing the 18 karat solid gold edition of the Apple Watch. Apart from its 8,000 pound value and shimmering golden finish, it is operationally identical to its less luxury oriented kin. The 42 millimeter touchscreen is no more or less vibrant. The colorful round iOS-like icons are no greater in luxury appeal than their counterparts on the two other Apple Watch models. I've been given a tour of the watch's most important features. The menu system involves a few interactions not common to Apple devices thus far. For example, you can tap an icon on the screen to load an app, but tap it harder, literally press the screen more heavily with your finger and a different action can occur. In one example, a touch and swipe allows me to flow the icons up and around the screen. But as I press my finger a little harder on a digital clock face, I'm asked if I'd like to swipe through various clock faces. I choose one, then choose to change what information is being shown in each of the four corners around the watch face, such as the date, the phase of the moon, or when my next meeting is. And that's where the next new gesture comes in. I rotate the digital crown, or the dial on the side, as most people will likely call it. It's a smooth rotation. It doesn't click as you turn it. And on larger lists of menu items, such as messages that are mirrored from a connected iPhone's inbox, there's a 
pleasant sort of inertia to how the text scrolls underneath the display. If you turn it quite hard, the menu moves faster after a split moment, split second moment of speeding up, not unlike a digital equivalent to a Bugatti Veyron, let's say, speedily accelerating from 0 to 60. The touchscreen is really responsive, which is fortunate because the small icons on the home screen require an accurate touch. The watch seems good at knowing which icon I intended to press, but watching someone who hasn't used a touchscreen phone before trying to do this for the first time could be either entertaining as they learn to control their finger in a new fine way, or frustrating as they fail and blame you for the hassle. I got to see apps like Instagram, which make for fun, quick entertainment. Now, the photos are well rendered on a 326 pixel per inch display. That's the same as the iPhone 4, 5 and 6. But the sheer small size of the screen made me think more about viewing photos of my family and friends and cats rather than the landscapes that they're sharing, the family and friends, not so much the cat, not least because um, he's dead from their holiday. Uh, a face, I think, can exert a lot more emotion from a display this size than a panoramic vista in Rome, but maybe that's the point. Now, normally, I prefer larger Apple devices, and indeed, uh, larger devices generally. I have a 15-inch laptop. Uh, I have an iPhone 6 Plus, not the 6, an iPad Air 2, not the Mini. So I was expecting to prefer the larger 42-millimeter screen rather than the 38-millimeter ones. But after trying all three models, from the Sport up to the Gold in both of these sizes, it was the smaller versions I preferred, which definitely surprised me. One thing that's going to be important to me in particular is how the watch functions without many notifications being used. Personally, I hate notifications for anything other than text messages or Twitter direct messages. And I, I know I've got loads of unread email or Twitter DMs, comments on Facebook posts, things like that. And it does nothing but increase my anxiety that I'm ignoring increasing numbers of colleagues and friends. And these th those anxieties are being increased in tiny increments with each ping of a device. If I'm to have a personal wearable, it needs to know me better than to bother me with things I already already know. Hopefully over the coming month, I'll start to know what it can know about me. Right, let's move away from me and my opinions right now. Coming up in about eight minutes or so is our expert roundtable discussion with three other people, plus myself, discussing various aspects of the watch. We've all used it now at least once, so we have quite a lot to talk about. But first, pricing was one of the most important facts about the Apple Watch that we have been waiting to hear about. At the announcement, we learned almost everything we needed to know. The lowest cost of an Apple Watch is the small version of the Sport Edition, costing £299. Next up is the small version of the stainless steel Apple Watch, which will start at £479 and max out at £949. And then, of course, the gold version that will start at £8,000. Out here at Berlin, after my hands-on time with the watch, I asked CCS Insights analyst Ben Wood to give me his view on the price points Apple's chosen for its watch. The reality is for any new Apple product, price is sometimes quite irrelevant. So there will be lines down Regent Street and down in Covent Garden for people trying to get this product. And obviously, it's a little bit more expensive than some of the other smartwatches out there at the entry level. But I don't think that Apple is going to have any trouble in the initial wave of demand to get people to buy this product at the prices they've outlined. Okay, so a £299 starting price is not expected to pose a problem for Apple in this market. 
But this is not an even playing field yet. Apple needs to get almost all ages excited about the watch if it's to own the market in the way its multi-model approach clearly illustrates it wants to. So let's leave out everybody over the age of about 25, 30, something like that. We need to talk about a different group of people. Young people. The next generation. The people who will never be able to afford to get on the property market. Can a relatively costly wristwatch realistically hope to get its large and little hands onto large and little wrists. I asked GQ magazine's style director, Robert words, Johnston. What the Apple Watch will do will be encourage a whole new generation of people who are not used to wearing anything on their wrists to see their wrists a place they want to wear either technology <coughs> and indeed something stylish and is, you know, a, a, a pleasure. Let's go back to Berlin and ask Mr. Wood the same question. Can the Apple Watch appeal to the UK's younger, less cash-rich demographics and turn that appeal into profit? Well, the interesting thing is I'm constantly asked about this question of, you know, kids don't wear watches anymore. And I've surveyed this. I've been out to a thousand people in the UK in that demographic and said, do you wear a watch? And the surprising thing is that around 50% of young people still wear a watch. And I had that survey done twice because I didn't believe the results the first time. So I'm pretty confident that's the case. However, I, whether you know, teenagers and, and young people start using Apple Watch or more generically start embracing the watch is going to be interesting to see. And I would, I would wager that, yes, the watch will become more fashionable. Apple obviously will be in pole position because it's a very aspirational brand. But the launch of this product is going to be a rising tide for everybody. You know, anyone who makes smartwatches, even if they're the most basic smartwatches, will benefit from this. But also with that comes an enormous amount of responsibility because if Apple Watch doesn't deliver, personally I believe it could set the whole segment back for several years, not just Apple. So big vested interest for Apple to make this work. Big interest indeed. And it's interest Apple is hoping will get the support from the luxury watch industry. Whether it's taking out multi-page spreads of adverts in Vogue, putting the watch on the cover of Vogue China in fact once, or selling it in the likes of Selfridges and Dover Street Market. It's the wealthy and the style-obsessed groups of people Apple is desperately hoping to appeal to. People to whom an £8,000 watch is but a drop in the ocean when they're public images sink or float based on what they wear. Let's return to GQ style director Robert Johnston for a more detailed analysis of how the Apple Watch could be seen by the fashion world. I think what's going to happen with the Apple Watch as a, as a piece of style is there will be an awful lot of competition because, of course, the, the other the other watches or um, companies are already moving into the area. With Montblanc, for example, have already got a, a clip-on for their. Um, for one of their straps, which will effectively be a smart watch. So I think it'll be a lot more competitive than perhaps Apple have, have thought it would be. Does a what, an Apple watch encased in 18 karat gold qualify it to be talked about in luxury product circles? Because as you know far better than I do, $10,000 is not a lot of money for some luxury watches. No, I mean, indeed, there are a certain number of luxury watches out there which cost a quarter of a million dollars US and above. Um, does packaging an Apple Watch in, in 18 karat rose gold make it a luxury item? Well, I suppose you have to argue it does. I think the parallel here actually is not the watch market, funnily enough. It's, well, I suppose, and quite, quite logically, the parallel here is the luxury mobile phone market. 
which with you know Tag Heuer, a watch company, really went into it a few years ago. And alas, I have to say, probably not that successfully. I mean, I remember at the time someone... I mean, I never understood what's the point of a luxury mobile phone if it doesn't do anything better than a normal bog-standard luxury phone. Um, well, well, one, one exception I do wonder is Virtu, I know, they have their luxury phones and they have this concierge service, which I've had one conversation with, with one of their uh, directors and saying that's the reason people buy it, is because it's one touch button to bring an elephant to your garden if you need it, potentially. You know, is that enough, though? Well, very good question. Is that enough? I'm not sure. It certainly wouldn't sell it to me. Um, and... Well, what I was going to say was that the, the explanation by the luxury phone market is if by 2050, 80% of the human population has a smartphone, then even a minute percentage of that number, you know, a microscopic percentage of that number, is a viable market. Now, I don't think we've seen an explosion of luxury phones. I don't think we've particularly... I mean, Virtu is still here, and, I, and I'm sure it does have a market. But there aren't rivals muscling in, so it does suggest it's not a particularly fertile piece of luxury groundwork to be dug over. Um, and I suspect that will be the experience of the Apple Watch. Robert Johnston there from GQ, and before him, Ben Wood of CCS Insight. What I was aiming to get from them is to answer two questions. Can the Apple Watch compete in luxury fashion circles as a catwalk accessory? And can it also appeal to a generation of people who typically have less money to their name and have never even worn a watch? It's a yes to both, if we take the last few minutes as our research material. To me, that's one of the most impressive moves the watch has made at least so far. It can be aspired to by people of opposing financial statuses, and those aspirations are likely to be filled. And if it succeeds at either, it may elevate the industry with it and provide more competition and market growth. And hell, if it flops, it might take the whole industry down with it, the business equivalent of storming off home and taking your toys with you. It's time to put all this to a panel of consumer technology experts, all of whom graciously gave up their 11 p.m.s on a Monday night in Berlin to join me and discuss Apple's proposition to the smartwatch market and what it means to the general technology buying public. Joining me for this talk is Olivia Solon, technology editor for Mirror Online, Katie Collins of Wired.co.uk, and Stuart Miles, founder of PocketLint.com. And it's to Stuart I pose the first question of the evening. What does Apple's pricing of its first wearable say about its intentions for the smartwatch industry? I think Apple have very clearly positioned it against the traditional, classic, mechanical watch market, okay? And if you want to go and buy one of those, it's 500 quid for a basic, cheap model. Normally, you'd probably go in and spend about £1,000, or you'd go up to about five grand, and then depending on how well you feel, you deserve the new prize that you're buying yourself. And if you look at the pricing they've got in, £300 to start with, the middle one's about £500, isn't it, I think, or five, it was $500, with one of the straps being more. Mm. I think it was another $500 for the mm. Milanese uh, strap. And then just eight grand. Done. <laughs> straight, <laughs> straight in at the top. Mm. Or 13 and a half if you go for the extra accessories. Yeah, so that's that's the, the gold edition is starting at $10,000, £8,000. And that's the entry point. You can you can practically double that. Well, not not quite, but coming close to it. Katie, what was your your first thought? Well, I actually agree with Stu because if you think about those luxury watches that you would usually buy, 
They are primarily quite ornamental things. And this is both ornamental and incredibly sophisticated technology. So actually what you're getting for your money here is quite a nice kind of package of a, a status symbol plus a load of functionality. Liv, if you are somebody um, that does not currently wear anything on their wrists, which is to say most people under about 25, um, is the price point, do you think, low enough to get those people excited about buying a product that they've literally never felt they needed in the past? I think it's not, it's not a question of needing the product, it's wanting. And I guess that's what Apple's marketed all of its products um, on, on that basis. Um, I do, I think the kind of the sport version is kind of moderately accessible. For me, it feels like you can spend 10 grand on a regular watch, but the you don't have to charge it every night. And I still think that the fact that it's this consumer electronic item instantly makes it, separates it from that high-end jewellery item that, that people are used to, you know, spending up well you know you can turn up to 50 grand i think on a on a, on a watch if you if you really want to mm. and I, I just feel that there's still it's somewhere in between there and i don't quite know where exactly it it sits well let's let's talk about the the, the power then so we got we were told all day battery life and it's all 18 day, hours that's 18 hours but that's more than that's i mean let's let that's that's what my day is from literally waking up to literally falling into sleep Stu, is 18 hours enough? The pebble is seven days. Or well, 10 days if you go for the pebble times steel. I think it's interesting. There was a piece in The New Yorker recently about Tim Cook with the Johnny Ive thing and him saying that he'd got, he woke up at 4, mm. 4.30, hit the gym, and then he was in bed by sort of 9.30, If you think that <laughs> that's not, that's just on the cutting edge of mm. where he would be, before he got to bed, it would probably die especially if you've got an hour of running in there or mm. exercise and stuff. So I think there is a sense of, for a really active person, it will be, you know, it, you'll be pushing to the edge where you're at that important dinner party and people go, wow, what have you got? What have you got? And you're like, yeah, it's just a wonderful uh, ornate thing that's on my arm that doesn't actually do anything. We're trying to unlock your car at the yeah, end Yeah, the there was playing around <laughs> it this evening. I did notice there was a button that it was rumoured up until now, the power reserve Yes. But within a, in a setting. So what that does, whether that just sort of it goes into emergency mode, just so at least you've got a time piece to be able to, you know, work on from there mm. uh, and then shut down the meetings and, you know, shut down all notifications. And, stuff. and they can be quite useful because I, I was trying to think about how I would use the watch at a festival, for example, you know, which that was the first time where I ever really used a power saving mode with the Galaxy S4, I think it was. It, it had this ultra power saving mode where you could basically turn the screen black and white it would take incoming calls and texts you could use whatsapp actually but but the battery would last the duration of that festival without being charged and that was a game changer as, as far as a smartphone at a festival was concerned for me you couldn't do all the features with it but you could switch it back on to take a photo and switch it back into power saving mode afterwards and that stopped me needing to charge the whole thing now if i can do that with a watch that's already saving me some stress the question is it's a watch. Should I have to think about it so actively, given that its purpose Should is... Should you have to keep time? <laughs> Should I have to keep time? Well, Katie, you are a, you're a fitness person. I am, yes. Um, and in my experience, you are quite knowledgeable about 
wearables that track your movements, so to speak. Yes. Sorry for that mental image. No, um, wasn't not, deliberate. Not so at is all. eighteen is eighteen hours enough? Because and correct me if I'm wrong. Marathons, unless you're very very bad at them, like me, don't take eighteen hours to complete. They don't. So as a fitness device, there is the sport. If that's going to last eighteen hours, and you're going to charge it when you go to bed, eighteen hours sounds like plenty. Well, I think the point is though. This is a yes. It does have this fitness functionality to it, but you're supposed to be able to include that as part of your day you know that's just one segment of your day you're supposed to be able to switch between activities and it's supposed to be with you at work and home and and when you're doing when you're at the gym and um and it's supposed to you know accompany you through that process um as quite a lazy person who by the end of the day can barely be bothered to charge their phone at night i would say it might be problematic for someone like me um you have to be i think the from the wearables I've actually tried out, the ones I've liked the most are the ones where I don't have to worry about the battery. I spoke to a digital anthropologist at Intel about a year ago, who's uh, who said that they thought that it was a real problem actually trying to bring out a device that needed to be charged every three days because in people's heads. If you charge it every day, well, you're already thinking about, you know, everybody plugs their phone in before they go to bed. And then there are devices like maybe the Kindle or even the iPad where you might charge that every week if you're not using it on a really on a regular daily, daily basis. But three day intervals are really, really inconvenient as far as mindset is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so there could be an argument that charging it every night is actually more convenient. I think there's there's two things here for me. One is that on that basis, I remember charging, uh, reviewing a, a portable battery for your phone last year, which had a Bluetooth capability to be able to then message you, like notify you that it was running low because it was such a big battery that it would worry that you do exactly that and just forget about it and then go to use it. The second one, and this is a real case scenario, which I'm intrigued to find out, obviously, is that, you know, there is a suggestion that Starwood Hotels, i.e. W Hotels, or the hotel we're in now, has the, the cards, and you can replace your card with your door key with an Apple Watch. What happens if you've been out for a dinner, gone to a club, it's four o'clock in the morning, does the watch still, does the app still let you into your room, or have you then sort of not only staggering to try and sort of, you know, move your arm to get into your hotel room. Why are you looking at me as you say this? <laughs> and then you have to then go back downstairs. And that we've, if you've done that or you've ever had a, car, a key card that's then been next to your credit cards and it's all gone blank and it's just that hassle and trying to find the night porter and all the other stuff, that's, that's going to be a real use case scenario where you want to make sure the battery hasn't died on you. Yes. And I don't think that's going to be the only one of those. That's a great example, but that that's going to happen multiple times in multiple different scenarios, and I think that will be problematic. And it's interesting that you should mention Intel because they're, I think they're one of these companies that's thinking a lot about um, efficiency of processors for wearables and battery at the moment. And I think I get the sense that they might be coming up with something soon that will help... Um, improve the battery life of wearables that have these kind of very vibrant screens like the Apple Watch does but maybe the Apple Watch has arrived too soon to take advantage of that technology. But it's clearly a problem Apple have because if you look at all their other devices you know prime example the new MacBook today Mm. it's like look here's the trackpad and all the technology goes behind it here's the logic board and all the technology goes behind that it's tiny and then the rest are just filled with batteries because that's the easy way to do it. (laughs) Yeah absolutely. 
And the the new Mac. As a side note, what's your one word takeaway? This wasn't going to be on our agenda, but I'm curious. What's your what's your word? I thought it was really nice. It looks, you know, it was thin, lovely. I'm not sure whether a gold version would work on a Southwest train going through stains or something. I love, <laughs> but, the, I love the gold version just, personally. You know, that's brilliant. But it's whether that would, whether I'd be confident enough to sit on a commuter train. The only one's making you buy it. Yeah, it's look. It, it does look like a like a gold iPad that's just slightly bigger rather than a small gold MacBook. Um, one of the things that's been really interesting to watch, sorry, to see as Apple's been introducing the watch, is how it's been appealing to fashion and style. And also how they are, Apple's really making quite an effort to make this appeal to both sexes. This Mm. doesn't come across as a very male-centric product, nor um, does it seem like something Apple is doing just to engage more women with its products. Um, what's your view on on that, Liv? As a as a as a, woman as a woman and as a technology expert, how do you find the the positioning of this? Is this something Apple's got right? So that's a loaded question. How has no, Apple done it? Well, I f- I feel that most tech companies have really underestimated how important the style element is for stuff that you're starting to wear more like jewellery. And a lot of the smartwatches I've seen so far still very much feel like a small phone that you've just strapped to your wrist. And for early adopters and a lot of tech journalists, that's probably okay. But for the vast majority of people, and I think this applies for smart glasses as well as smart watches things that you wear around your wrist, and actually perhaps almost more so for, for most men, is it's more about being like jewellery as opposed to being like your phone. And I think Apple's hired um, Mark Newson, who's a famous watch designer. They've hired the head of former head of Burberry. And I, I feel like they're getting it more right than some other companies in that respect. I felt like today there was a slightly sort of hackneyed moment when they got Christy Turlington up on stage, the supermodel, to talk about her use of the of the Apple Watch. But having said that, I, I feel like it's closer than anyone else has got in terms of creating something that is really fits within the fashion space as well as in the functional space. Well, we're getting close to time uh, for now, both um, release dates wise and also the end of this section of the show. Um, I wanted to wrap up by asking what you think are the outstanding points or questions that we still have for the watch. Um, To give an idea, for me, it is the third party apps. They are still something that we haven't seen a great deal about. As far as the UK is concerned, we've seen some interesting apps like Shazam, Instagram, City Mapper, Nike Plus. There have been a few others, but a lot of the examples Apple's given so far have been quite US centric. CNN, garage door operating technology <laughs> that I don't know anybody in this country that has, that a garage. Ha- that has those. <laughs> and I'm sure those people exist, and I'm sure that most of them are in Chelsea and they're probably going to buy gold watches, and and that's fine. Maybe that's who it was aimed at. But we haven't seen anything yet for the real day-to-day user. We've not seen, I don't know, a Spotify-controlling app. We've not seen a really killer UK news app. We've not seen a way of navigating your way through the London Underground, which, for me, would be a great thing to use with the watch. It Um, doesn't have GPS, does it? But it's connected to a phone, and that does. And with things preloaded, you could navigate your way 
around that. What haven't we seen? Mr. Miles. Let's wow. I think, to me, one of the, the overriding issues so far I've seen from today's demo was that it has huge amounts of potential, but at the same time it has huge amounts of complexity. There was, after the five-minute, six-minute demo that we all went through, there was a sense of, do I press, do I slide, do I tap a bit longer, do I double finger, do I, you know, there's all these different inputs and controls and ways of getting it through. And I think that they were just trying to show us as much as they possibly could in a shorter time. And it was the end of the day, I was getting a bit frazzled. Mm. But there was a sense of, I think, trying to understand the enormity of, of what it can do. And, you know, I've, I've been wearing a pebble for a long time. And, you know, sometimes that gets it gets overwhelming when lots of people are messaging you and you've got tweets and Skypes and all these different things coming through. And so they just need to try and strip that back and make it simple. And I think I'll only realise that once I'm using it in the real world. And I'm sat on a sofa having a beer thinking, oh, yeah, that it starts to make sense now rather than I've got to swipe to here. And, you know, it just it was a bit much this evening. Mm. So complexity and learning the new user interface for Stuart, Katie? So for me, I think the the thing that I really want to find out about this is whether I feel like it has an obvious market at the high end. But what I want to know is, will like the iPhone and the iPad, it, it seem quite extravagant at first and then it will become an item that everybody wants to have and, and that lots of people who perhaps you wouldn't necessarily think would want this or could afford it you know, really make an effort to to become an owner of it. I want to. I can't wait to see what happens with that. Mm. That just leaves Miss Underscore. So I want to know whether some of the sort of features, the unique features that the Apple Watch has. So it has the um, was it called digital touch? The, oh, the digital touch. The, um, the where you can send your heartbeat. Yeah, which can either be really gimmicky or they could be that thing that kind of makes it go from just an average smartwatch to something really magical. And it does very much depend on how well that works and, and again, how the interface, um, how much more streamlined the interface gets. But I think those things could be either really gimmicky or they could be the thing that could really elevate it above all the others. Mm. Well, the watch will be out on the 24th of April. We will find out. Everyone in this room, actually except me, will have some sort of special report. Katie? Yes. Yours are housed at wide.co.uk? Yes, it will be. And we will no doubt talk about it on the Wired UK podcast as well. Excellent. I can speak highly of that show. It was created by a... Was it a genius... Or was it a legend? Some say so. I can't remember how, how it was described. Stuart, um, your work is housed where? Uh, pocketlint.com. Pocket-lint. Pocket-lint. Hyphen-lint. When, when in 2003, when I started the site, it, hyphens were all the rage. I see. And, uh, and now they've moved to underscores, obviously. Yeah. But, you know. Pocketlint.com. And live, obviously, at Mirror. Uh, mirror.co.uk. The Apple Watch will be out in April, and if you've enjoyed this special edition of Text Message, you can look forward, I certainly hope, to hearing my review in April. Until then, please let me know your thoughts on the watch, today's show, and what you'd like to know from a review next month. I'll aim to answer your questions specifically on a future show, so you'll never have a better opportunity to get some personal feedback. You can do that by emailing podcast at natelangson.com, or you can tweet at me, obviously, 
at Nate Langson on Twitter. Thank you to my guests today, Ben Wood, Robert Johnston, Katie Collins, Stuart Miles, and Olivia Solon. I'm Nate Langson. I'll be back on Sunday with a regular scheduled show. And in the meantime, it would mean a lot to me if you would possibly leave a review on iTunes and a rating. Obviously, even more so if you've enjoyed the show. I make nothing doing it. Uh, it takes a lot of time to do it. I do love doing it. And it's amazing to know the number of people that are already subscribing and listening to it. But at this point in the show's life, it really means a huge deal to the show and to me personally. If you're able to subscribe, keep listening and leave your thoughts for other people to read and hopefully encourage them to listen to the show and subscribe as well. Thank you so much. 